and uh, share a message there. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 3, so if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. If you're using one of the Bibles in the pew here, the pew Bible, we're on page, I wrote it down, 863. It's kind of near the end, so you can start flipping from the back there. Uh, Thank you, Karen. As you walked in, you probably noticed there are many boxes, large boxes that say Samaritan's Purse or Operation Christmas Child. How many of you saw all the boxes in the lobby? So this year, uh, we've been involved in Operation Christmas Child like other years. However, this year we were invited to be a receiving center, which means uh, other churches in the area, other individual families, schools, whatever, brought boxes here, and we're going to just kind of hold them and then take them to the next uh, location. So there's actually over 2,600 Operation Christmas Child boxes in the lobby. Now, now our church didn't pack them all, so, but uh, they, they, were, they were gathered in here. We did pack several of them, uh, but they're going to be shipped off to the next place. I think it's somewhere in Carlisle, but that's kind of cool that we've been able to be a part of that. And thank you, uh, all of you who donated materials, who packed boxes at home, who went to Downey Elementary and packed boxes with them, who uh, helped receive boxes from other places. Thanks for everybody who was involved in that. That's kind of cool that our church gets to be a part. So this morning, uh, we're going to continue a series going through seven letters written to seven churches in the Asia Minor area uh, shortly after the time of Jesus. So again, we're in Revelation 3, or page 863 in the Pew Bible, if you're turning there. Uh, While you're turning there, a quick story. How many of you have heard the one about the cricket? Okay, good. Nobody. So, all right. So here it is. Uh, So once upon a time, there was a country boy who traveled to visit his friend who lived in the big city in Manhattan, in New York City. So he he arrives in New York City, and as soon as he gets there, they decide to go for a walk down the streets of Manhattan, hustling, bustling area. As they're walking, the country boy uh, pauses for a moment and says, hey, did did you hear that? Hear what? Did you hear that cricket? The New York friend says, no, I I didn't hear a cricket. Kind of rolls his eyes, and they continue walking. He ignores that. A few moments later, once again, the country boy says, did you hear it that time? Did you hear the cricket? What? No, I, no, I didn't hear a cricket. At this point, he's getting a little frustrated. Why does this guy keep pointing out this cricket? What is he talking about? So they continue walking on. And just a few moments later, how about that time? Did you hear it that time? No, I didn't hear a cricket. We're in the middle of New York City. There's cabs going by, and they're blaring their horns, and there's construction going on in five different locations. There's loud noises. There's, there's vendors selling hot dogs. There's people talking, there's music playing. I mean, this is, we're in New York City, and you're asking me if I heard a cricket? So the country boy takes the hint, stops mentioning the cricket. A few moments later, though, he pulls out of his pocket a coin. I have a quarter. He pulls out a coin, and as he walks by a sewer grate, you know, one of those metal grates that collects water when it rains, he takes that coin and flicks it down onto the metal grate, and it lands with a crisp Ping! You know, the sound of metal hitting other metal. And instantly, with everybody within 20 or 30 feet, you jerk their head to look at what the noise was, and the city boy stops. Hey, what, what was that noise? And the country boy says, I guess we all hear what we're listening for. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. So we've been going through these letters to the seven churches. Uh, Each of them are addressed to real churches. There are real people that are receiving this letter and reading messages that are directly for them. Here's a map of those those seven cities, and you can see uh, we're going to be in the bottom right there in the city 
of Laodicea reading a letter from them. And at the end of each of these letters, if you've been following along, they all end the same way. They say, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So I hope that you've been listening, and I hope that you're able to listen to what the Lord has for us today. So before I read this letter, it's 11, it's, uh, sorry, it's nine verses long. Before I read that, I just want to point out four metaphors that are used, and they, they are metaphors that really speak to this particular city. If you were living in the city of Laodicea, these images would pop up. It's as if somebody wrote a letter to you, and they m- mentioned Hershey's chocolate or something like that. I mean, it would, you know, we live in Hershey, so that would make sense. So here are the four metaphors that are used. One, he mentions the water source. Laodicea was known for, unfortunately, having terrible water. So that was one thing they were known for. Second, he mentions their wealth. Laodicea was a a banking industry. If you wanted to expand your small business at some point, you're probably going to pass through Laodicea and talk to their banking people. Third, he mentions their clothing. They were known for uh, harvesting uh, or, or breeding these black sheep with beautiful silky black wool, and they would export it all across the known world at that time. So he mentions their clothing. Lastly, he mentions eye salve. They had a famous uh, school for, for eye doctors, ophthalmology, and they produced medicine that would be distributed all across the known world. So if you had eye issues, your primary care physician would probably send you to Laodicea at some point. So these are four metaphors that come up. And as I read this text, just kind of, I'm just going to keep this up here. As I read the text, just be listening for these four metaphors that come up. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. So I'm in Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either one or the other, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you may become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline so be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Okay, so hopefully you picked up on those four metaphors. Let's talk about that first one. The first metaphor that Jesus uses in this text is about lukewarm water mixed with a lukewarm faith. They have, it's lukewarm water that he's comparing to their lukewarm faith. Here's what he says in verse 15 and 16. He says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. As I said a minute ago, Laodicea was known for their water. It was a a bad knowing. They were known for having terrible water. And what made this worse is they had two neighboring cities. Here's a map of two other cities, Hierapolis and Colossae, that were known for having 
excellent water. Hierapolis was known for having natural hot springs. Any of you been to a hot spring? Maybe you were able to actually sit in a hot spring. They have them out west and other parts of the the world. So uh, I've never been able to enjoy that, but they had these nice hot springs that you could sit in. Colossae was known for having cool streams, nice fresh uh, water from streams. And Laodicea was not known for that. They had to pipe their water in at least six miles from one of these neighboring cities. Uh, You saw a picture of a pipe uh, earlier. For, For six miles, this water would travel from one of these other cities into Laodicea. And by the time it got there, it was, it was lukewarm. It kind of had this mineral taste for it. it. It was stinky. It had turned stale and stagnant. And uh, there, we have reports from the ancient world that people would get sick from drinking this water. They were known for having really gross water. People would mix wine with it to hopefully kill off the germs and stuff like that. Uh, it, it was pretty gross here. And so here's what the writer is trying to say. This church is similar to the city's water. Nobody wants to be similar to city water, especially not in Laodicea. The people of this church, they were not refreshing, they were not life-giving, they were not what you would hope to see in a church. Instead, they were lukewarm, they were stale, they had a stench to them, they had mineral flavoring, just to kind of follow this analogy. If you've ever met somebody that has a strong relationship with the Lord, you can tell they really have a genuine strong relationship with the Lord. Being around them can be refreshing. Being around them can be be life-giving. They are abounding in love. They are joyful. They are considerate. Even when they're going through hard times, you can tell that, man, they're real, they're vulnerable, they're going through hard times, but but they still have hope within them. That's what it's like to be around someone that has a refreshing, vibrant walk with the Lord. When you're around a lukewarm believer, it can be... You get this lukewarm taste from them. They can be kind of meh. It's like they believe the stuff in this book, but they don't live it out. They they don't serve God. Instead, they expect to receive from God. When they go through hard times, they don't abound in hope that God is with them even in the hard times. Instead, they talk about what they deserve and what is not fair and and, and these sort of things. It's it's, it's lukewarm. It's not a genuine, vibrant walk with the Lord. So here's here's what I ask for, for you. Is your walk with the Lord, is it refreshing or is it lukewarm? Is your faith refreshing to people? Is it life-giving to people? In Laodicea, it was easier to find hen's teeth than it was to find someone who had this vibrant walk with the Lord that we're talking about. And so is Jesus getting what is best for you? Are your priorities aligned in such a way that he is getting what is best for you? Or are you just meh about your faith? Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. So this, city is, this, this church is mentioned uh, being comparable to the lukewarm water of the city. So lukewarm water and a lukewarm faith. Here's the second metaphor that comes up. Material wealth, but spiritual poverty. Material wealth, but spiritual poverty. And here's where he says that in verses 17 and 18. Jesus says, you say that I am rich, that I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor is a word there, blind and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich. Now once again, the reason the writer brings up them being rich is because this city was known for their wealth. They were a banking area that was known in the ancient world. They had two theaters in their city, which was not very common in that day. Imagine Hershey had two giant centers, be overkill in my opinion. So they had two big theaters in this city. In fact, here's another uh, example that'll show you what the wealth of the city represented. In the year AD 60 to AD 61, so around about the time this letter was written, there was a massive earthquake that hit the area, and the Roman government decided to send aid to help these cities in this area rebuild uh, their buildings and such, and Laodicea actually refused to accept imperial aid. It's 
Kind of like how many of you got a, a check, a stimulus check over COVID, and you were like, nah, I'm not going to cash that. I mean, we don't, people don't do that, right? But, but the city said, no, we don't need imperial aid. We don't need money from the government to rebuild. We can do it ourselves. We are rich. We have acquired much. We do not need anything. That's literally what they said uh, when this happened. And so here's what Jesus has to say to the church of Laodicea, verse 17. You say that I am rich and do not need a thing, but you don't realize that you are poor. Yes, you are materially rich, but when it comes to your spiritual walk with God, your vibrancy, you are spiritually, materially rich, but spiritually poor. The people of Laodicea were rich. They had nice things. They ate nice food, lived in nice houses, but they had a poor relationship with God. So let's talk about us for a minute. Uh, it's pretty well known. Hershey is a wealthier area. And so if, if you are wealthy, there's just nothing wrong with being wealthy. Jesus is not rebuking these people for being wealthy. There's nothing wrong with having wealth. But what is wrong is being wealthy but having spiritual poverty. And so just to kind of compare to our lives in the same way that Jesus is comparing to their lives and the world that they lived in. If you drive a Tesla every day but you only read your Bible once a month, that, that's a problem. You are spiritually poor. If you can remember to the dollar the amount that your end-of-year bonus was last year, but you can't remember the last time you shared the gospel with someone, you are spiritually poor. If you know how to manage stocks and you can shelter your investments from taxes and you're money-savvy, however, you don't support your church, you are spiritually poor. If you travel to Disney and Cancun every year, but you can only make it to church once a month, you are spiritually poor. If you have a great portfolio, but a stale, lukewarm relationship with the Lord, you are poor. You are materially rich, but spiritually poor. I hate it when speakers do these awkward pauses. Don't you hate that? Let's just just talk real for a little bit, okay? Listen. I know that you're trying. <laughs> All of us. I know that you're trying and you have a, 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 a desire to have a, a genuine and a vibrant relationship with the Lord. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. And so I could go all hellfire and brimstone on you. Yeah, I could, you know, I was raised in the South, so I know how to do that, but I, don't, I just don't think that would be super helpful because I know, I know you're trying. I know you're trying. So let me just say this. Let me challenge you with this. If, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, Here's what you need to do. Every single day, just read your Bible and pray. I'm talking 15 minutes. Every day, just, we, we don't really have a good excuse to not be able to do this. So just read your Bible and pray once a day, 10, 15 minutes, okay? Make it out to church once, once a week. Jesus died for the church. He loves the church before he ascended into heaven. It was like the thing that he created. I mean, Jesus loves the church and died for it. He shed his blood for it. He loves it. He wants you to be a part of it. Attend church once a week, read your Bible and pray once a day, and when you have opportunity, share your faith. Just have spiritual conversations with those who are not believers. If you could just start right there, just do those things, you will be on track to getting rid of a lukewarm faith and having a more vibrant walk with God, okay? You with me? Somebody say, we're with you. Somebody say, that dog will hunt. Somebody say, that boat will fish. You, don't, you guys don't respond like they do down south, but that's all right. We're just going to move on here, okay? All right, so, I'm, so we're back. We're back. We're with you. Here's what Jesus says next. Here's, here's what he says next to them. Verse 18. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich. 
Boy, this is a head scratcher. I had to scratch my head and just think about this for a minute. He's saying, you're poor, so what you need to do is come buy gold. How does a poor person buy anything, much less gold? Have you checked the price of commodities lately? Uh, How can a poor person afford to buy gold? And how can that fix your poverty-stricken situation? You know what you need? You need to go buy gold. If I was poor, I wouldn't need to buy gold. What is he saying here? Okay, this is, probably the most, this is probably the most important part of the entire text. So just lean in for a second. If you're watching online, just, just click the button to turn the, the volume up a little bit and kind of lean in on your seats. Everybody, everybody lean in for a second. Here's what, this is probably the most important part of the text, as I said. Let me, let me start with this. Some of you have been told, maybe you've dropped out of church for a while. Maybe you're watching online, you've dropped out of church for a while. You're, you're, you're in town, you're visiting mom and dad, and if you're going to be in, if you're gonna be, a li- be in our house, you're going to come to church with us because you're here for Thanksgiving. And that's, that's fine. I'm going to be that dad too. I'm going to be that same way when my kids come home. So, so, so maybe, maybe you haven't been in church for a while, and, and you've been told, you need to get back to church. You were raised in church. This is a priority. Why, you, you can get up early. You need to be back in church. Why, why, why aren't you in church? You need to get back in church. You've been told this message. I'm going to say something you probably aren't used to hearing in church. It may be the case that you don't need to get back into church. I've been where you are, and so if, if you don't really have a desire for church to be around God's people, if, if the Bible is not something of interest to you, if praying is not something of interest to you, it may not be the case that you need to just get back to church. It may be the case that you aren't a believer. And if that's the case... You don't need to go to church. You need to have a relationship with God and have your sins forgiven. So here's what Jesus is saying. Come and buy gold for me. How does a poor person buy gold? The the point he's trying to make is that the gold has been paid for. The gold is free. That's why you get it from Jesus. That's that's what he's saying in this text. So listen, I've... I've, I've sat where you've sat. If you've been out of church for a while and you're visiting here because it's Thanksgiving or whatever, if you're watching online, you, you don't really attend church anymore. Here's, I've, I've been where you've been. When I was a teenager, I remember sitting in a service kind of like this, and uh, I, it was at a time where I didn't really care about church, and I felt kind of guilty. Everybody around me seemed to talk about God all the time. They loved God. I, I didn't really care. Church was incredibly boring to me. I, I didn't really read the Bible. It was very boring to me. I didn't really pray. I tried to pray once or twice. It was weird, so I just, I, I didn't do that. I was a teenager, and I, I just didn't care about these things. I was imagining maybe one day I would just graduate from college and kind of be done with all this, no matter what mama said. You know, I, that, was, that was me. And then the preacher got up, and I tuned in because he just started talking about this, the gospel. And so, and so here's the gospel. The gospel is this, that all of us were born sinners. And sin things that you do wrong, they, they, they separate us from God. Sin separates you from every relationship. You sin against your husband, your wife, you, there's a wedge that's drawn between you, right? So sin separates us from every relationship. So this is the gospel. Sin has separated us from God. And if we do not take care of our sin, we cannot be in right relationship with God. And if we do not take care of our sin and have our sin forgiven in this life, then in eternity, after we die, we will be forever separated from God. There's different places, there's different words used to describe what separation from God is in eternity. Hell, Gehenna, the lake of fire, there, there's several, but we don't know exactly what that looks like. But, but there's a separation from God that we have to fix right now. And the only way to fix it is by believing in Jesus. Because Jesus died on the cross. He didn't die on the cross to be a good example. He didn't die on the cross to just be a moral example of, this is how you love other people. No, no he, he actually accomplished something. He, he paid the debt, the penalty for your sins on the cross. And if you choose to believe in him and ask for his forgiveness and follow him, that separation goes away and you're in right relationship with him. And so so here's what Jesus is saying. 
if you do not have a relationship with me. Come, come and buy gold from me. The analogy is this. The gold is paid for. The gold is for free. You just have to come and get it from me. And that's probably the most important few words in this whole text. And so if that's you, if, if you're like me, I was sitting in that service and I could feel my chest kind of get tight. I, I could feel my nerves begin to shake a little bit. I, I, I literally was feeling sweat on my brow and I knew that I had to do something with this news. And so if that's you, I encourage you not to leave this room, not to turn off this, this video recording until you have done something about that. And so we'll come back to that in a little bit. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So Laodicea is told about lukewarm water and lukewarm faith. The second metaphor is material wealth but spiritual poverty. And then number three, he mentions nice clothing but pairs it with naked shame. So once again, Laodicea was known for their gross water. They were known for their banking industry. They were also known for their textiles. Here's a picture of uh, some black sheep that are native to that area. They would, uh, uh, shepherds were able to breed this, this sheep and they would export this wool all over uh, the known world at that time. And here's what Jesus says in verse number 17. He says, you say that I am rich, but do not realize that you are, and he goes on and says, naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold and also white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness so in the bible nakedness is a metaphor for shame it's a metaphor uh for guilt and the first time we see it come up is uh early on in the in, in the letter in in the chapters of genesis where adam and eve sin against god and they realize that they are naked they realize their guilt their shame their vulnerability that they have done wrong it's nakedness is it's, it's to be vulnerable it's to be sinful it's to be embarrassed it's to be shameful it's to be guiltful some of you have already accepted Brene Brown into your heart. And so you know there's a lot that I could say about shame right now, so I won't get into all that. But I will say this in verse 18. He says, the solution is I counsel you to buy from me white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness. Jesus is saying don't buy other things that you could try to purchase and buy to hide your nakedness. Don't, don't buy into, if I can just kind of take that, that phrase and kind of turn it on a hook, don't, don't buy into the shallow messages that come up in society. Don't, don't buy into the promises that the world makes. Instead, I want you to buy from me, right? The world may tell you just to be true to yourself and look within and that will get rid of all the regrets that you have. Those regrets are ill-founded. Just, just be true to yourself and that will get rid of your guilt. Jesus says, no, no, no. This world says, follow your heart and just follow your feelings. If you do that, that will fix this guilt that you don't need to have guilt. Just follow your feelings and that will get rid of your guilt. And it does not do that. This world tells you just to create your own self-identity. If you create your own identity and really leverage that and harp on that and focus in on your own true self, your identity, that will fix all of your self-esteem issues and you'll feel so much better about yourself. This world tells you, do whatever makes you happy. If you do what makes you happy, that will get rid of the shame that you experience. And Jesus says, no, 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 don't buy that stuff. Don't clothe yourself with more individualism. Don't clothe yourself and wrap yourself in some kind of authentic identity that's true to yourself. Don't disguise yourself by just being more expressive online or in person. Instead, come and buy garments from me. I know you have to submit to a different authority outside of yourself, but, but if you wrap yourself, if you clothe yourself in what I have to offer... That is what will get rid of the shame and the guilt that you are feeling. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So the first metaphor is lukewarm water. The second is material wealth but spiritual poverty. The third is fancy clothing with naked shame. And here's the fourth one. He mentions great eyesight but blind discernment. 
great eyesight but blind discernment. Here's what he says in verses 17 and 18. You say, I am rich and I do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are blind is one of the words that comes after that. Verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me several things, but also salve or or some kind of medication to put to rub into your eyes so that you can see. So again, nakedness is a metaphor for shame and for guilt. Likewise, blindness is often a metaphor, even in today's world, for lacking discernment, for not being able to see uh, what, is, what is not physical in front of you. And so like these other metaphors, eyesight problems were something that were common uh, to the people of Laodicea. They had a famous school for ophthalmology, and so eye doctors had developed different kinds of salves and things like that. Here's a picture of a stamp, actually, that was uh, recovered in archaeology. So these doctors would mix these minerals together, and they would press them down and then allow them to dry. And once they had dried, they would take one of these stamps and push it on. That had uh, pro- probably the name of the doctor or where it's from or what the medication was for. They, they would stamp these and send them off. They look like little bars of soap. You'd mix water with it get it on your hands kind of like a putty and then you would rub it into your eyes and do that on a daily basis to you know get rid of uh, whatever kind of thing that you have and so what is the point that Jesus is trying to make he's saying you guys are known for your eye salves you're known for your eye doctors you're known for the school if you have someone in your city wanting to study ophthalmology you send them to Laodicea Laodicea is known for all the eye stuff however you people in your church you're 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 blind we're not blind we have a famous school no 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 you're blind in a different way in a spiritual way And he says, I counsel you to buy from me salve for your eyes so that you can see. And so let me just say a few words that hopefully will open our eyes today. Some of you listening, some of you watching online are not believers. You've not not taken that decision to follow Jesus, to have your sins forgiven, and to make him the Lord of your life. You've not made that decision yet. And so my question for you is, what will happen after you die? What will happen? The overwhelming majority of the world's population, I'm talking smart people, the overwhelming majority of the world's population believes there's some afterlife after this life on earth, after we've passed from this life. So where will you spend that afterlife? Well, where will you spend eternity? I want want to read something that uh, Tim Keller has to say about this text. He says, you know why we can get a white robe? Because Jesus was stripped naked on the cross. You know why we can have spiritual wealth? Because he was impoverished. You know why you can no longer have to be blind? Because Jesus was blindfolded and pounded in his face and asked, who hit you? He was stripped so you could be clothed. He was impoverished so that you could be rich. He was blinded so that you could see. So what's the answer? Give yourself wholly to him. How inadequate to take what he's given us after sacrificing all and only giving him a lukewarm commitment. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, you don't need to just get back into church. You need to go to Jesus and commit your life to him, commit to following him, ask for forgiveness of sins. And then once you're a believer, then you should get into church. But that is, the, that is the only decision you should be thinking about today and that I leave you with. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Others of you are believers. You've made that commitment to follow Jesus with your life, but if you're, if you're honest right now, your priorities are just kind of out of whack, right? And so here's what Jesus wants you to hear in verse 19. Those whom I love, that's you, I rebuke and I discipline. So be earnest and repent. And so let me ask you this. Are you taking your relationship with Jesus seriously? That's going to mean different things for different of us. But, but are you taking your relationship with Jesus seriously? And I, and I once again challenge you to start here. Just, just once a day, every day, read your Bible and pray. Every week, attend church with a body of believers like this. If you're watching online, you live somewhere else, find a local church. Just attend church weekly. 
Read your Bible and pray every day. We can all do this. We can all do this. And be committed to your own discipleship and the discipleship of others and share your faith. If you can just do those things right there, you'll be well on your way to having a vibrant, more genuine relationship with the Lord. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Now, there's, there's one last person in here that I want to talk to. Some of you, you really do take your faith very seriously, okay? You take your faith very seriously. This is not, your faith is not lukewarm. You really are pursuing Jesus and sharing your faith and reading your Bible. Like you're, you're doing all these things. And I have to be careful with, with you people because you people hear this message and go, I only read my Bible once a day. I need to do it twice, you know? So, I mean, you, you like, the people who don't need to hear it the most are the ones who take it the most seriously, right? I mean, that's the case in, in any, with any kind of speaking thing. So here's what I want you to hear. He says in verse 21, To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Uh, so I realize that most, the, the majority of this church in Laodicea, these believers were lukewarm. They had bad priorities. They, they, they didn't have a genuine commitment to the Lord. They, they were like that lukewarm, gross mineral water. Right? Most of them. But there were some genuine believers, just good men and women, a core group of people that were making that church go. There really was. In fact, I want to read a, a verse from you. This is written by Paul. Remember I showed you the city of Colossae was nearby. He wrote a letter to Coloss- to the church of Colossae, and he mentions Laodicea, Colossians uh, 4.15. He says, please give my greetings to your brothers, your neighbors down the road, right? And brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church that meets in her house. So Paul does mention that there were some good, genuine believers in this church. He specifically mentions Nympha. She was a lady. She, she may have been one of the pastors of this church or one of the house churches. She at least hosted a house church. I mean, they were good believers that were in the church of Laodicea. And so I just want you to be encouraged that, yes, you, there may be others around you that have a lukewarm faith. And you want better for them. But just continue on the course and continue to be faithful, and try to stay out of this letter, okay? So this, in this church, there were no commendations given. I know it's been a harder message, but I just want to encourage you with those words. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Let me pray for you before we leave today. Father, I, I believe that nobody here wants to have a lukewarm faith. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been here. They could have been doing something else on a Sunday morning. They could have been listening to someone else. Uh, But Father, some of us in this room, some of us watching online, we have drifted into poor habits. We've drifted out of good habits, maybe good spiritual habits that we used to have, we've drifted away from. And so Father, I want to pray that you would open the eyes of those who are around me, their spiritual eyes. I pray that you would open their ears so that they are able to hear what you have to say to them. And Lord, would you give each of us a clear next step that we need to take to avoid having a lukewarm faith, to avoid being spiritually poor? I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear uh, so that we can take that next step of repenting and becoming earnest with our faith. And we pray this to you, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, hey, thank you, everyone, for your kind attention. As I usually say, I am not going to dismiss you. Instead, I'm going to send you. Mercy Free Church, you are being sent to put your commitment to Jesus first above all other priorities. You are sent to reflect your faith and to hear what the Spirit is saying to you. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. You are not dismissed. You are sent. Thank you very much.